Welcome to season three of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, leadership and relationship coach by day, comedian and writer by night. I'm on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and the way the world lives in relationship to each other. It's time to start connecting our left and right brain to our loving hearts and begin listening to what they have to say. The brain will want to continue on the path previously traveled. It feels safe there. The heart sometimes barely has a path allowing passion and purpose to dictate the way. Get ready to disrupt business as usual in your brain and get ready to start following your heart. Listen, it's calling for you. My heart is always calling for me to dance in conversation, to feel the rhythm and vibrations, the ebbs and flows we exchange energies, wit, and wisdom. My brain is interjecting really quick to invite you to check out owlprofessionalcoaching.com backslash podcasts for more episodes and to head over to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and write us a quick review. You can also find us on the gram at owlprofessionalcoaching or at Outstanding Women Leaders. We have four rules today to guide our wit and wisdom exchange. These rules are inspired by the Coactive Training Institute to create space for powerful connection and authenticity. Rule number one, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. Rule number four, my favorite, and which is perfect, everything is included. If your phone dings, it's in the podcast. If the dog barks, he's welcome to join in. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've, cre- we've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard. There is space for you. This conversation comes to a close. I'll ask our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. If you haven't, you don't want to miss them. Enough about me. Today's guest is Rebecca Tenbrink, a vibrant and passionate soul striving to be the change in her world and her community. She is the founder and grassroots organizer of Lift Teen Center in Sutton's Bay, Michigan, and recently found herself in the role of executive director of the local community center. It's a long story, but life is fun that way. This year, Rebecca received the Traverse City Business 40 Under 40. As someone that still counts on her fingers, she finds this most fascinating. Even with these fancy titles, you will likely find her driving the teen center bus, wrestling her four-year-old son, swooning over her husband of 12 years, or having a lively phone conversation with a friend. It has been a pleasure to meet Rebecca and hear about the work that she's doing in Michigan. I'm a former executive director of a grassroots nonprofit, so that speaks right to my soul. And what I love that she's starting to do is launch a podcast for teens to give them a voice and to be heard and to shine this light for teen suicide on what is it that teens are experiencing as we're sitting behind screens in a pandemic. As a former high school teacher, I love what you're doing. Rebecca, tell us all the great things that you have coming up for teens. Well, hey, thank you so much for having me today. It has been a pleasure getting to know you as well. And Um, our experiences seem to be similar in so many ways. So it's fun. Um, Yes, teens, my favorite subject to talk about. (laughs) Um, We have found that this year has like really shifted the way we think about what we're doing. Um, Community is like a huge piece. And while social media and the screen seem to be the way that we most commonly talk and operate now, there's still such a huge need for human connection. So we created this podcast as a way to say, hey, like, 
we're all humans out here. And we have this generation of teens that have something to say. Um, so the podcast name is Generation Perspective um, because you know every generation is labeled. And I, I thought to myself, if, if this generation sees nothing else, there's clearly a perspective they're gaining that the rest of us alive today probably haven't been privy to. Um, so in the podcast, we dive into some of their favorite subjects or something they're interested in, um, and then kind of peel back the onion of their life and what's meaningful to them and maybe some hard times that they faced um, to really give them a voice and especially a voice in our community. Um, our community is primarily like 55 and older. So the teens don't represent the majority of the demographic here. Um, so I think it's, it's easy for them to become invisible and hidden. I love that you're giving teens a voice because they have the most creative, funny, awesome insights and things to share. Yes. And it, we never look to the next generation coming up to teach us anything. We always think as this generation, we're supposed to be teaching them. So right. I love that you've shined this spotlight. What are some things that you're picking up from teens as you interview them? Um, so I know these teens from working with them, but then we ask them to share something that interests them or like something that they want to teach us about. And it has been so fascinating, the things they've come up with. Like one of my teens, she is like a very kind of like straight laced person and um, doesn't seem to have like an artistic bone in her body really. Like she just is very like um, into her studies and whatnot. And she told me that like, she went into this whole dissertation about crocheting. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know how to crochet? And she taught us like the stitches and things like that. And um, some of the things that she had made. And it just was like fascinating to be like, there's a whole other side of you than what's like portrayed to the world at face value. And it, it might be as simple as crocheting, or it might be as complex for another student as being a student of a migrant family and what that experience is like moving from town to town to town um, for the work that they do. And it is so enlightening and truly I, humbling, you know what I mean, to hear these perspectives. So it's good. I love the work. I just, I can't wait to tune in. I didn't realize that the podcast was out already. So I'm excited. The gener generation perspective and where can we listen to this podcast? So we actually, we have five episodes done, but we haven't launched yet. So we will be launching um, at the beginning of February. So I will definitely give you all of that info to post in the show notes. <laughs> Let me know if you need any help or tips. Um, yeah. I've, I've launched a, a next generation owl, um, <laughs> right? To get our women cool. leaders because, you know, we keep saying the future is female, but as I sat there watching the inauguration, the, the future the future's here, right? The present is female yes. and uh, really giving a voice. I was sitting in a history class where my professor, where my teacher in high school had the de facto ways mm -hmm. that you get elected, white, yes. male, 
non-Catholic, the one Catholic we put a bullet in his head. So those were the de facto's and, uh, and that those aren't the the mere fact that we were teaching those, uh, you know, that left me with a, it would, could be impossible for me to ever be president one day. So really passionate about giving a voice to these rising and emerging leaders and this next generation that is not going to be like any other generation, right? They're growing up in a pandemic and also growing up in a time where there's more that's possible. Um, Mm. And yet our teens are faced with a higher suicide rate than ever before. What can you speak to on that? What are you seeing for why, although their possibilities are brighter than maybe before, it doesn't feel that way for them? Yeah, I think, man, it is such a complex issue. So we did a suicide prevention, um, actually like movie night, and it featured, um, it's called The Ripple Effect. Um, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but he actually jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. And it was his story. And from that, we did a lot of reflecting um, as a group and with the teens. And the big word that they said was like invisible. Like I often feel invisible. And while TikTok and Instagram, you know, is running rampant, like what they're actually feeling, what they're actually experiencing is not truly being portrayed, yet they're seeing these teens that have the sick dance moves and the latest like tennis shoes or whatever. And, and so they feel like, wow, I am so much less than, and it's, it's starting to create this um, elitist group, if you will. Like if you don't have your life looking like this, then you've got it wrong. And none of us truly 100% have our lives looking like what the world of social media can often portray. Um, and as a developing teen, that's really hard to dif- like differentiate. Like, yeah, that's, that's that, but like reality is this. Um, so that in- invisibility and then their growing minds not being able to differentiate reality from what's portrayed, I think. Yeah. The neuroscience, I, I think about the neuroscience and the brain and how that works for yeah. teachers. And one thing that can be empowering is just knowing that, right? Uh, helping that teen to feel less invisible by helping them get inside their brain and understand what's what's actually happening happening there. The problem is that because I know how it develops, like their prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. isn't fully on board. And so there's, there's not going to be that grasp and that ego comes in. Um, when I think about feeling invisible and like, I think of the magazines, like teen mag Vogue. And like when I was growing up and, um, the kids, yes. I had the pay less version of the shoe that uh, the girl had. And so I would, you know, I got made fun of that day. I was also sitting that day in like the, the lowest level science class. Cause they did tracking. And so it makes sense why the pro- popular girl with the cool shoes would want to make fun of me because that's where it was. But I, I don't remember. It's just so interesting to see the having it constant, the social media presence. Like this is, we know this is a drug because we'll reach for our phone, even though we don't have it. (laughs) Yes. Right. We know that the dopamine rewards that we're getting in our brain with the phone are mimicking that of, of addictions. And so 
I could choose mm-hmm. not to see Teen Vogue. I could choose not to watch TV and see, and even then, like the, you know, Full House. Those girls don't look like the girls that are growing up now, right? You no, know, yes. They was always a little chubby. You know, Stephanie had normal like teeth because we're kids, and so we don't come in perfect. Like the the portrayal felt, I think, a little bit more real as someone that kind of grew up on TV. Like the Cosbys were relatable, and um, like. TGIF TV, like Topanga, I think, of like, uh, right? And you're sending me way back and it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's interesting, right? That we had some of the, that we felt so good experiencing. Also, you know, I also could feel invisible at times because only child here. And so if one of my friends and I got in a fight, I really was invisible. I didn't have like a a large group of friends. I wasn't that cool kid. And so I felt like, well, shit, who I sit by. Yeah. Um, And I just, I think about how do we support teens? I, we had counselors when I was in high school that were mostly about getting you into college, but there were four of them for 1200 kids Mm. Worked at schools where there's one for 1200 kids. Yeah. Um, How are you guys being that support system for teens right now? So As a teen center, um, we are very passionate about having mentors there that are committed. With our community of kids, we noticed that um, they had adults kind of coming in and out of their lives, um, you know, might work with them for a year or whatever. So we don't let just like any person volunteer. They have to be very committed to showing up um, and committed to staying best that they can as far as, you know, at least one year, um, if not more of a commitment so that that building those relationships can really be built and sustained. And um, so the kids are, you know, experience the whole, the whole school day and um, the education piece and the social piece of all of that, um, which can be so much. And then we are located two blocks from the school. And so they walk from the school to us. And when they get there, they are instantly greeted by name. And there's a big sign on the wall that says you are seen and loved. And so they know without a shadow of a doubt, like they are, they are here, they are seen and loved and that we want them here. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not an obligation for them to be there. They don't have to be there, but we are so glad that they are. And I don't know that that's communicated in any other way in society um, that come as you are, be who you are, even if you don't know who that is, like, we're going to love you. Don't. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Like, I did. Whoever, as a, like whoever's acting that day, right. Yes. What's the role that you're playing. I yes. love this because when I think about teens at school, it is, and I was not this teacher in my four walls, but these were only my four walls. It sure. is so much about this power struggle and dynamic yep. of this is how you be. And yep. this is what you do. And yep. then you get this thing. Um, and so you're either the really good teen that feels seen and does all those things. And then you get into a work environment that they're like, you know, they don't tell you how to be and and they don't tell you what you do. And then you start doing it and you're like, well, I don't understand. And the whole, the whole system crashes. And I'm speaking from a millennial generation that I just missed the getting the trophy, but most of us grew up getting the trophies. And then we got to the work and we're like, well, I don't understand. I'm doing the things. 
I love that you've created this space where teens can just be creative and choose to be who they are and choose to be seen however they want to show up that day. That, that meeting kids where they are was so important in my classroom where It wasn't about, these are the rules. I did have a couple. Um, And then sometimes the kids would challenge me, like the eating in class. We had lunch at 10 a.m. So I'm like, kind of hungry at 2 p.m. too. And like, like literally lunch was from 10 to 10.30 because (laughs) we were attached to a grade school and they had to eat at the time. Yeah, and then you're in school until 3.30. And so we did, right? So we created this alliance of like, all right, we can eat in the seeds classroom, but these are the rules. And so it can't be a distraction. Someone volunteered to sweep because it was always the trash that was the issue, et cetera. Um, But we, we so much as adults want to just say, Hey, you know, you can be you, but like, but this version, like a quieter, you a sit still you. So I love that you're creating this just amazing space. And, and tell me, tell us a little bit more about the program. Cause you've, you launched this, like, this is your baby. How did you wake up one day and say, I'm going to create this program for teens. Yeah. So, um, so this actually started eight years ago. We've been like an active nonprofit for four, but eight years ago, my husband and I moved to Sutton's Bay and it's a very small rural community, um, highly like tourist. It's, it's a wonderful, beautiful town. I hope you all can come visit, but, um, we moved up there and we didn't know a soul and we were living right down the street from this hockey rink. And so one night my husband's like, I'm going to go see if I can like drop in hockey. And I was like, great, cool. And so he went down there, came back about an hour later. And I was like, Hey, how'd it go? And he's like, good. I want you to meet. And I'm like, what? Like (laughs) what? Um, And he had a trail of four teenagers behind him. And I'm like, Hey, hey." you know, and he's like, Hey, they came over to come do the NHL draft with me. Do we have any pizza? And I'm like, yeah you know so we order pizza and we get to talking to these kids we're like hey like what is there to do here because we had just come from california where like things were open all of the time and there's so much to do but here in sutton's bay everything closes at like eight and they're like yeah you're looking at what there is to do there's nothing and so we're like hey well next weekend you guys want to do a movie night So this kind of continued to happen weekend after weekend until our home was literally full of teenagers every weekend. And it was like, hit you in the face. There needs to be a space for teens and there needs to be something for them. Um, And so we had a baby four years ago and we were like, wait, you can't come to our house anymore because we need nap time to be regular. (laughs) And, but we're going to create a space for you. And Um, so we created lift and it is in the basement of the community center. So this basement was not, uh, habitable by any stretch of the imagination. We got our friends, we raised 500 bucks to paint the walls and clean it all up. And, um, it just has morphed into this student led space. So it truly is, is theirs. Like the ceiling tiles are painted with their art and the rules on the wall um, are the rules they set forth every year. So, you know, we gather as a group and we say, hey, what do you think the rules should be? And, you know, and then we have each of them pen those rules in their own handwriting. So when things come up, like, um, 
AJ called Lucy a loser, we're like, hey, was that kind or uplifting? And they're like, no. And we're like, hey, check rule number four. And they're like, oh yeah. So we we do some restorative practice to say like, that's the rule you set for birth and like age in positive behavior to fix this basically. And, uh, and so our programming has really morphed from there and all the initiatives we do are student led. So things that they communicate to us, hey, what about a podcast? Hey, what about doing a movie night on Friday nights? And yes, we guide that sleigh a little bit because you know we can't just do all the things, but um, it's there. It's theirs. You are reminding me of uh, my first two years as a quote teacher. I was a student activities director because they weren't hiring because it was 05 and like <laughs> nobody was retiring. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was so fun and everything was student led. And I was sitting on an administrative team where I'm the only millennial, everyone's Jenna, mm -hmm. Gen X, right? And, uh, and I'm fighting for the kids. And then I, they were the adults in the room. They were like, well, we can't do this because, because <laughs> yes. myself, you know, here I am four years out of high school. So like my prefrontal cortex is still not fully developed either. Right. But I love that you, you, you see the possibility that kids can absolutely create their own community and they can be held accountable to their own rules. Uh, sometimes I think for teachers, we feel like we can't do that. So many mm -hmm. teachers feel like this, this is the way it has to be. Like this is the baseline versus allowing the students to, to creative and resourcefully figure out how they want to coexist together. What yeah. a beautiful yeah. thing that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, I have so much respect for teachers and the school system. There's so much on their plate and especially right now. Um, so I feel very grateful that I have that flexibility to not, I mean, I don't have all the red tape and the markers saying like, no, you can't, no, you can't, you know what I mean? And that's the beauty of what I get to do, but truly the teachers are the funnel to which I get these beautiful students. So Thank you for all you've done over the years because it's, it makes such a difference in, in their lives. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to know more about you as an executive director as well. So all of this is just one hat that you're wearing. You're also carrying an entire organization. Yes. Um, so like, like I said, life is fun that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I went into this truly like, so when we started this teen center, like there was no policies and procedures in place. I was very green and very quickly also learned like, whoa, you gotta have some things in place. And um, so I grew very quickly in that. And simultaneously, you know, in the building that we were in, there is the, this community center. Um, which mostly is used for senior activities and whatnot. And it's a really beautiful story how it started. It's like super heartwarming. These five women, they were all farmers' wives. They uh, took out second mortgages and purchased this building. And they would cook all of these amazing meals for the community. And it was just this beautiful thing. Well, time has passed and they have passed. And the center truly has begun to just deteriorate. 
And I have watched over the last four years, it die a very slow death because there was not the energy and the passion put into it. And so when the pandemic hit, things shut down, money ceased to exist completely to coming in. I was like, okay, something needs to change. And so I approached the board and I said, um, we need to change. And they said, basically, you're right. And we want you to be the executive director and we would like out. And so I was like, oh, that's not what I was going for. <laughs> but okay, you know, so um, in, my, in my heart, I'm, I'm so passionate for community. And not only is it important to invest in these teens, but it's important to invest in the community to which they will grow in, you know, grow into essentially. So um, with a very big stomach ache and feeling like I was gonna puke, they transferred everything over to myself and a new board that I elect. So we elected a whole new board. <laughs> so I had to you know, find people within the community and I was not just going to find like, oh, hey, you, hey, come on. I wanted to find people that fit specific needs that we needed. So that meant um, finding someone within the migrant community that is so important to us, finding someone in the tribal community that also is so important to us, finding a senior member, a youth member, um, a, a family member, like a family advocate, um, finding these people and having them all sit on a board because that is the community we are serving. And it has been the most beautiful collection of humans to start this initiative and to really revamp this center. And you can already feel the lifeblood like pumping back into it and people getting excited. It's like this like vibration on the surface that's like, ooh, big things are happening. <laughs> um, so we're really on the cusp of all of that. You know, like we are a gathering space and obviously that's like the one thing we can't do in society right now, but we are poised and ready with these amazing programs for the community for when we can. So. I love the intentionality that you had in building a board. I think the board is one area in nonprofits that gets overlooked. We're usually looking for some people with money or some people with some time and a talent. And for some reason, those people always end up being white. <laughs> and, yes. And, uh. and honestly, probably because the person that's building the board is white. And so they're yeah. just not in the community. I love the intentionality that you made to have the board be a representative of the collective of your community and to, and to give a voice to everyone and not just in a box check way of color of skin, but in a intentional age demographic way. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, reaching the different cultures in the, in the community. Mm -hmm. Bravo. Well done. If people listening, thinking I want to start a nonprofit, this is how you build a board that mm -hmm. allows you to serve the people that you want to serve. And even no matter what community you're in, it's going to be diverse. So if yes. you, I, I love that. Yes. Yeah. It's certainly not a, 
an overnight process. And I, as much as I wanted it to be, I wanted to be like, okay, I have all my people. Um, you know, these people are going to be serving for a few years on the board and we have the opportunity to start fresh with this beautiful history behind us, but to start fresh and to really make this a huge change in the world, um, even in just our small corner of it. So it's yeah. Good. You are absolutely the change the world needs right now. Thank you for spending your very precious time because you wear 85 hats (laughs) uh, with me today. I can't wait to tune in to a generation perspective and hear what these amazing teens have to say on your podcast. Before we go, I have three questions I always ask. The first one is, what's your superpower? Oh, my super... Katie, Katie, Katie. Um, I could eat a whole box of Velveeta mac and cheese. Oh. <laughs> Is that a superpower? Because it feels like. All while building a board and a teen center and driving the bus. <laughs> yes. Eat the mac and cheese. Quite the superpower. Yes. Uh, well, so while you sit in that superpower being the mac and cheese, what's your purpose? Hmm. Man, my purpose in life is to really um, find things within humans. So find things in others that they yet might not even know about themselves. Find this beautiful nugget and pull it out and be like, okay, you have this. And for them to see it and then say, let's bring this out and let's like elevate this to a bigger thing. And I just love watching people like find that purpose, find that inner. Um, it's so yeah. fun, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> to shine a light in an area that was dark for someone is, yes. I think what we're all called to do. Definitely. What's next? Mm. You know, I feel like I am so deep in it right now that um, to think like next would be a disservice to what I'm doing. Um, I can see myself standing on the outskirts of this community organization. I've always and forever will be involved, but I would love for like 92 of those hats to be passed off to other people. And so that it is truly like a community endeavor. And it's one that it's not only one or five people doing, but the many. You're amazing. I, I love that you're sitting in the now and you're really just here and present that even thinking about what's next feels difficult. It's a real gift that a lot of people don't have and will serve you so well with your board and all your teens who, teens in particular, that just desperately need an adult to be present with them and focused on the current moment. So amazing. And again, intentionality, not only do you build an intentional board, but you're intentional about knowing that this is not something that will be your forever baby that other people will pick up these hats and, and really you're incredible. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find the center? Where can people go to donate? Tell us all the places that people can, can find you. 
Yeah. So um, the best website is youth as in teenager, Y-O-U-T-H, S-B for SuttonsBay.com. And from there, they will be guided to all the different outlets that we're doing right now, the podcast, the community center. And um, so that's the, the landing page for the teen center. So amazing. And for everyone listening, I just saw the report where like 50% of you plan on giving more in 2021 than you gave in 2020. What a great endeavor to give your money to um, supporting teens in a small community. And this woman is, is doing it the right way. It's not just a center to have a center. You're, she's really pouring and adding value into their lives. Thank you so much. I'm going to give you the last word because that seems fair. Hey, thank you. <laughs> last word. 